All right, tonight, if you will, let's go to James chapter number five. James chapter number five. And uh, we're going to try to pick back up in our study here. And uh, continue on where we left off last Sunday night. Wired up here. All right, James chapter number five. If you will stand with us for the reading and reverence uh, of the word of God. We'll start in uh, verse number seven. The Bible says in James uh, chapter number five and verse number seven, be patient therefore brethren under the coming of the Lord. Behold the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea. And your nay, nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if you have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him... Let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. You can be seated tonight. Heavenly Father, pray God you'd take now uh, these passages of Scripture in which we have just read and pray God you'd open our hearts and minds to your word and Lord you'd help us to rightly divide the word of truth tonight. We will thank you, Father, praise you, give you glory and honor for it all. Jesus' name we pray, ask these things, amen and amen. Now, uh, we have, we're several messages in on this particular chapter, and when we started this chapter uh, in the book of James, we was dealing in the first six verses of riches. We got down into verse number seven and dealt with this matter of being patient, so we was dealing with patience. And uh, we got on down a little farther and we learned that we were uh, to establish, the Bible said, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And uh, we understand here that uh, there was an attitude, a mindset, if you will, uh, even so come Lord Jesus. And we understand that patience was expressed uh, because that the Lord was, it was working. The Bible says, be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord, behold, the husbandman, waiteth for the freshest fruit of the earth, and he hath long patience for it. And we learned that the only reason that the Lord hasn't returned uh, to take the church is because he's long-suffering, he's merciful, he's gracious, and he's extending an opportunity for a lost and dying world to come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, accept him in the free pardon of sin, and get gloriously saved by his grace. And so the Bible says here, be ye also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. 
And so he's saying, be also patient because the Lord is patient, but at the same time, get established, get settled, get rooted, get grounded, because while he is, uh, is, has not come, that does not mean that he will not come, for the Lord is soon coming. And we understand that uh, he will not tarry, right? Forget a little while, uh, forget a while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. And so he's saying here, James is, is writing in this epistle to establish your hearts, get rooted and grounded, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So he hasn't come, be patient, but he will come, and because he will come, get established. Then he says in verse nine, grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. We understand that we, we dealt with the other, um, on another message concerning this particular portion of scripture, the warning that is given here not to get sidetracked and get your eyes off of the things of God uh, for taking your eyes off of the things of God will sidetrack the church. And in this last in these last days of this church age in this grace dispensation when we should be doing something while the Lord is long suffering while the Lord is merciful and gracious while he is extending an opportunity for a lost and dying world to know him in the free pardon of sin we need to be about the father's business not to get sidetracked or caught up in worldly things but to be in a one track mind and united as the people of God working for a common cause that we may get the word of God out to a lost and dying world okay so then verse 10 says, Take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. So this matter of patience has come again. And we're talking about affliction. And we learned and had dealt with uh, when we considered affliction and patience that it was Paul who wrote that, uh, that, that patience worketh experience, experience worketh hope, right? And trials of life and tribulation causes us to have to be patient. In that patience, we experience some things. And as we experience the hand of God in our life, we have hope. Confidence based on a well-founded expectation, right? We can expect some things from God. We can take the Lord at his word and we can trust his book and, and believe his promises, right? And the more that we experience him, the easier it becomes for us to look at our past and where he's brought us from and what he's done in our life and can stand before you today and say, I still trust him. I trust the Lord, okay? Then we get this, this example of of uh, Job, and we know that Job was a man that was upright. He feared God, he eschewed evil. And he said, though he slay me, I will trust him. And he had to learn patience, and he had to learn endurance. And uh, the Bible tells us here, behold, we count them happy which endure. And we know that the Lord took Job and gave him the best 140 years of his life. And the latter part of Job was far better than the beginning of Job, but he learned about the goodness of God. But we also learned that Job did indeed have to draw his last breath and he did have to close his eyes in death. And I believe that this is important that we understand that because we get down here into verse number 13. Now, let me pause and say verse number 12 is important and a change of gears because verse number 12 is warning us that we need to set forth an example. Now, above all things, we need to be an example as we strive to be the body of Christ that goes out and wins a lost and dying world, understanding that people are looking at us, they need to be able to trust us. And so trust is an important part of that. But as we considered that of Job, the Bible says here, is any among you afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing psalms. So now we're learning here, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Now we're having to quit considering uh, others and start looking at this from a personal perspective. Now we're having to consider what experiences we have to go through. We looked at Job as an example to back up the, the, the scripture that we read prior to Job. But now we're having to put ourselves in the position of Job. Now we're having to say, okay, what, what, what am I going to do? Am I established? There's a reason why we need to be rooted and grounded and established tonight. You know why? Because affliction is coming. Oh, you may not be in it today, but there's a day when you will be. There's a day when troubles will come, when trials of life will show forth. And if you're not rooted and grounded now when things are going good, you won't be in church living for the Lord when things go bad. Take a look around you tonight, friend. We have people that's missing tonight that ought to be here. People that, that, that should be in God's house, but they're not. Why? I don't know why. 
But I'm telling you this, I'm determined to be here uh, no matter what. I'm determined to be in God's house and establish myself because there is a day coming where it's going to be harder to serve the Lord in the future than it is today. And if we can't serve him today, God help us if we think that we're going to get out here in the future somewhere. If the Lord allows us to keep drawing breath, friend, and be able to stay steadfast and unmovable, it's not going to happen. Hey, I got news for you tonight. There's a lot of people playing church. There's a lot of people that look at this thing like it's a game, like it's not a reality today, friend. I want you to know this book and the God that I serve as is real as the lunch that I had after church today, friend. It's that serious, it's that real. But it's not real to a lot of people. Do you know why? Because a lot of people are not experiencing anything. A lot of people are not staying faithful to the cause of Christ. Well, I didn't mean to just kind of linger there, but as we consider here, there's some things that uh, the Bible's saying in verse 13, is any among you uh, afflicted, let him pray. Well, there's no better thing to do than for, to, to get a hold of God in your time of affliction. Brother Shane mentioned it this morning in his devotion. What a blessing and and an honor it is to be able to go and get into the throne room of God in your time of trouble. Listen, Brother Shane could have called me on the phone this morning with his woes and I would have gladly listened to him. And I would have cried and prayed with him. But you know what? I can't help, Brother Shane, but there's one that can there's one that's able to help today. And, and Shane doesn't come to me, but he goes to God, right? You have problems and troubles and trials. You go to God. God can help you. He did not say, Brother Gene, that when we got saved, it was going to be a bed of, bed of roses and that all was going to be wonderful. And a lot of people like to play this Christian life out as if it's like a tiptoeing on the tulips, friend. But Jesus said they persecuted me and they will persecute you. And if we live much longer, we're going to see the day in which the church that we are in today will be persecuted, friend. Oh yes, it's going to happen. And so we see here, it says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Get a hold of God. Is any married? Let him sing psalms. Listen, you take somebody who's been afflicted, who's prayed, and the Lord has, has brought victory in their life. Hey, listen, someone that's, that's, that's had it good their whole life is one thing. But someone that's had it bad and then it becomes good, they can appreciate it. I believe Job, those last 140 years, never let a day go by, Brother Gene, where he didn't recall what he had gone through and where God had brought him and the blessings on his life. And I don't believe for a second that Job let one day go by where he didn't look towards heaven and raise his hands in praise and thank the Lord for the blessings that the Lord had given him in his life. And so is any among you afflicted, let him pray. Sure, is any merry, let him, let, him, let him sing psalms. We've got something to praise him for. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Are you breathing tonight? If you're breathing, you ought to be able to praise the Lord. The Bible says, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, we, we, we made this point last Sunday that uh, if, if this verse meant what a lot of people thought it did, then you and I, if we had enough faith in the Lord, we'd never die. And that, that absolutely goes contrary to what the book teaches us, understanding that it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. You and I will stand in judgment one day for it. We will stand before the Lord uh, with our, uh, on our knees, I do believe, with our head hung low uh, as we are in the presence of an almighty God. And so I want you to understand this, understand that every man's going to be judged someday. We're going to have to die. Or the Lord's going to have to come back and rapture the church. And we learned that, uh, that the James in this epistle was saying, be patient. The, the church and, and those were ex- expecting the Lord to come. He said he would come back. He, he, he went to prepare a place, but he's coming again to receive the church. And so they were looking, and, and even so come Lord Jesus. But, but we're learning now that it's just possible. You and I might pass out of here and move off the scene before the Lord comes back and raptures the church out and takes the church home. And so the Bible says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with, with oil in the name of the Lord. And I don't mean to keep using Brother Shane for an example, but Ben, as he mentioned this this morning, what if Brother Shane had called me this morning? 
What if Brother Shane and Sister Pam had contacted me in, in, in their struggles? All I could have done, Brother Gene, was point them towards the Lord and went to the Lord on their behalf. When I'm in trouble and I come to you and I have a burden, there's not anything you can do except point me to the Lord. And the oil in the Word of God is a type and picture of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what I need when I'm afflicted? I need the Lord. Do you know what I need you to do when I come to you and say I'm in trouble? I've got problems that I can't bear. I've got trouble that I can't deal with. I need you to point me towards the Lord. And so what do we need? We need the Holy Ghost of God to help us. Do you know you have everything inside of you already that you need to make it through this walk of life? We just have to tap into it, right? And so as any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So obviously, it's, it's, it's not that everybody that's saved by the grace of God that has an affliction or, a, or is sick or has a problem, that they're going to be healed of it. You need to understand that. We could line up everybody that's saved by the grace of God, that's got a terminal illness, and anoint them with oil. And I promise you, there's going to be some folk that die and go on to glory. And, 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 and what I'm saying to you is we're pointing them towards the Lord. The, 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 whole, the, whole, uh, the, the whole matter here is that of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the Lord. We need to be looking to the Lord in our time of trouble. Now listen, it says in the prayer, faith shall save the sick. Well, now let's consider this for just a moment. I want you to go with me to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. And I want to read a few verses of Scripture here. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 35. <laughs> Women received their dead raised to life again. So that sounds a whole lot what we're reading here in James chapter 5 verse 15 when the Bible says in the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. That not seem like the same thing to you? Well, let's go on here. Uh, Hebrews eleven thirty five. 35. So women received their dead raised to life again and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Then there were others that had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown asunder, were tempted, were slain. Now you need to understand Hebrews 11 is a chapter of faith. And all through the Hebrews chapter 11, we see a picture of those that had faith. So there were some in the word of God that had faith, that had the dead raised again, but there were some that had faith that died. Said so they were stoned, they were sawn asunder. Do you know what that means? They were cut in half. Were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Well, the Bible said, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Do you, who do you think helped them get through this? Oh, it was by the grace of God. I thank the Lord that grace is extended in a time. Uh, there'll be days in your life that you can't understand right now. But aren't you glad that when you get to those days, the grace of God is sufficient to help you? For it was Paul that had a thorn in the flesh, right? The messenger of Satan to buffet him. But he said, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. Aren't you glad for the sufficiency of God and the grace in your life? So it says they were stoned, they were sown asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all having obtained a good report through faith. So first of all, I want to say this, they obtained a good report. There's a report. We're going to, we're going to stand before how we walked in this walk of life. He said, and these having obtained a good report, I, I'm glad that this good report is obtainable. See, we act like sometimes it's just not reachable. 
It's just out of our reach to serve God and to stay steadfast and unmovable and to work towards him and to stay faithful unto death. But I have news for you today. It's obtainable. And we'll not stand before God and say, Lord, I just couldn't help it. I just, I just wasn't able. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. What happens when you're afflicted? You pray. The Lord's going to look at us and say, why didn't you call on me? Why didn't you ask me for help? Why didn't you call on me in your time of need and your time of trouble? These all, having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise. Now look here. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. So here's what I want you to see. They were, they were trusting the Lord and had faith that there was a promise. Now what is faith? Go back with me to Hebrews 11 chapter one, or chapter 11 verse one. As we start out in this chapter of faith, the first thing we learned is now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. This good report that was obtained by faith from these elders, they were looking to God having been promised something. Now I want you to notice this, what is faith? Faith isn't blind, right? Now we, we, we understand that faith is the substance of things hoped for evidence of things not seen. We don't see it, but we expect it because it come on a promise from God. And so here's what I want you to see. The Bible says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. What's, what does that mean? Does that mean that we just, uh, we just by hope or chance or luck pray that the Lord will save a person from their sickness and if we believe enough and have enough belief that it'll happen? No, this faith that these, were, that these obtained a good report by was of a promise of God. It was based on something that was tangible. Understanding that it wasn't a, a shot in the dark, but the Lord had promised them something and they held God to his word. Faith is you and I trusting and believing God that he will do what he said he will do. Not what we hope that he will do, the way we use the word hope. But it's when the Lord tells you something that you can trust him and believe him to do so. So, so let's, let's look at this for just a second. All right, and so uh, fa the faith was based on a promise in Hebrews 11. You do need to understand that. Turn with me to Isaiah 38. We was here this morning when Brother Shane, I was scared Brother Shane was gonna get all on this this morning. But uh, Isaiah chapter 38 in verse number one is a very familiar story concerning that of Hezekiah. Now I want to show you some things uh, about Hezekiah that relate and will help us to, to dig into James chapter number five and understand what this matter of prayer, uh, uh, the prayer of the faith saving the sick means. Okay, so let's start in Isaiah 38, chapter, chapter 38, verse one. The Bible said, in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. Why did Hezekiah turn his face towards the wall? Now I want you to notice this. Hezekiah believed he would die at the word of Isaiah. He had faith that he was going to die. Do you know why he believed that he was going to die? Because the Lord said so. And the Lord sent the man of God down there to tell him. And because he was sick. And because we know that, that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Hezekiah had never died before. But he could take God at his word. And he wasn't stupid. He knew it was appointed unto man once to die. So if you take that fact and then you take the fact that the man of God has come down here with a word from the Lord to a man that is sick. And he says, you're going to die. He immediately got depressed and turned his back to people, pointed his face towards the wall, and did what? He began to pray to the Lord. Now what is it that we're to do? Is any afflicted? Let him pray. He didn't want to talk to Isaiah. He didn't want to talk to anybody.
somebody else. He had just got word from the Lord that death was nigh and what did he want to do? He turned his back on what man was doing and got a hold of God. Put his face against the wall and cried out to the Lord. Friend, that's all we can do in our time of trouble. We should point those that come to us to the Lord and us that are in trouble, we should go to the Lord. And so Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the Lord. So he got a hold of God. So this faith that he had that he was going to die was based on something. It was based on the fact that it's appointed that a man wants to die. He had been sick. He was sick. It all made sense, right? All right, and so we get into to, to verse number uh, three here. Said, uh, and said, remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Now here's what I want you to notice. All Hezekiah could do was call on the Lord and remind the Lord to remember Hezekiah's heart and his history. Lord, I want you to consider how I've lived for you. Lord, consider what my heart has been towards you. All right, and, 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 and listen, we know here 2 Kings uh, 18 and 5 says, says, that Hezekiah, uh, says that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. Hezekiah was a one of a kind. And up to this point, none had been like Hezekiah. So when Hezekiah was calling on the Lord, he wasn't just saying something to say it. He was truthful and honest before God and said, Lord, look at my heart and see what I've tried to do for you. And I want you to notice this. The Lord took into consideration that which Hezekiah had been when Hezekiah prayed to the Lord about his sickness. All right, and so we're going to find here that the Bible says in verse 4, then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah. Boy, isn't it good in your time of trouble, in your affliction that you call upon the Lord that you get a response? I'll say to you, the relationship that you have with the Lord is very real. And I'm thankful that there's times when I'm not the only one that's doing the talking. I'm thankful there's times in my prayer closet I go to God and I, I talk to God about my life personally and how uh, things are going in my life and the Lord speaks to me. Now listen, I'm not a prophet and I can't tell you what God's doing in your life. But I can tell you this, my wife can testify to the fact that we've seen times in our life where all we could do was go to God and pray because the man would not have understood our problem nor could man have fixed our problem. And so privately, in the privacy of our home, we've gone to the Lord and we've prayed and we've talked to God even individually. Me and my prayer closet, her and his, and her and her prayer closet, talking to him. And here's what I want you to see. We come back together and we'll have peace about something. As a couple, we'll talk about it. And say, Lord, I just feel like the Lord is moving us in this direction. You know what that is? That's God's direction in my life. God does direct us through this person of the Holy Spirit. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and what? He will direct thy path. You know, I didn't just come in here one day and decide I was going to be the pastor of the church. You didn't just decide one day you were going to make me the pastor of the church. There had to be some prayer, some, some time of seeking the Lord. You had to get an answer from God. I had to get an answer from God. Then we had to have peace about the answer. And then what? By faith, move forward upon the promises of God. Oh no, listen, we don't just blindly decide one day what God's going to do. And we don't put words in God's mouth. But if we'll shut our mouth and open our ears and wait for the Lord to give us good, clear direction, when he does, by faith, we can walk forward based on a promise of God. Now God's promise to you may not be God's promise to someone else. But I've seen times when I'm, my back was against the wall, when I didn't know how I would make it, but the peace of God was on my life and the Lord through prayer just told me, son, it'll be all right. Just sit back and wait and watch me do my work. 
And it seemed like at the last minute, God come through. You know why I had peace? That peace that passes all understanding because I trusted God and his promise for my life. That, friend, is what the experiences and the troubles and trials and patience is all about. That's why when you have trials and tribulations and it works patience in your heart and it works, uh, the patience works experience, the experience works hope because there's something that's happening inside of you that is becoming closer knit to that of the Holy Ghost of God or closer to God through that of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so that's, that's, this, that's why this thing isn't real to a lot of people. They've never allowed their Christian life to mature into this, into this realm. Everything's just superficial. And when any trouble or problem or trial shows up, they're out of God's house just like that at the snap of a finger. And most churches and most people sitting in churches, even in good Baptist churches where doctrine is preached, are that way. They're superficial. They've never allowed God the room to work in their life like he wants to. And so this isn't for, for, for naught, okay? So let's, let's move on here. Verse, uh, verse 4 says, Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, So the Lord is responding now. It says, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. Well, isn't that wonderful? I've seen thy tears. Isn't that wonderful? You know, not only does the Lord hear our prayers, Brother Gene, but he can also decipher what these tears that roll down my cheek actually do mean. Isn't it great sometimes when you want to talk to God and uh, you're fumbling on your words and your tongue's shaking and your lips quiver and uh, you need to say something but you just can't get it out and the tears began to roll down the cheek that the Lord can decipher those tears and take your tears to the throne room and put them before God on your behalf. Boy, isn't that a wonderful thing. It says, and I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. So I want you to notice this. We're finding here that the Lord's saving Hezekiah's life and extending to him 15 years is coming at the same time that he's learning that the Assyrians are going to come up against Jerusalem, but God will cause him to prevail. Now, this is important, but I want you to, I want you to notice that the Lord has given a sign. What is this sign? said, this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees which is gone down in the sundial of Ahaz ten degrees backward so the sun returned ten degrees by which degree it was gone down. What does that mean? Let me put it to you this way. If I could paint a, a mental picture in your mind's eye tonight. Hezekiah is sick. He's been given word that he's going to die. It depresses him to the point that he rolls over in his bed and turns his back to the man of God and realizes in his trial that he needs to get a hold of his God. So he turns his back, he rolls over, and he begins to pray. And he talks to the Lord. And then the Lord heard him. And the Lord seen his tears. So that tells me Hezekiah was emotionally distressed. He was distraught. He was emotional wreck. And when the Lord deciphered his tears and heard his prayer, he sent God's man down there to tell him something. And then not only did he tell him something, but he backed it up with a sign. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. But God's going to reassure what it is that he's saying by giving him a sign. And this sign was that he was going to set back and set forth time. Now we work on a 24-hour time period, right? The sun rises and the sun sets and we work off of a 24-hour time period. They could tell time by where the sun was at in a given day. 
But what's happening is, is we see a picture of the darkness that falls on a man's life when he gets bad news. And when the Lord shows up and he begins to talk to him and tell him through Isaiah what it is that he wants him to say, that he's going to spare his life and he's going to spare Jerusalem, then he gives him a sign. And what I see is Isaiah with his back to the, uh, uh, his back to Isaiah. I see Hezekiah's back to Isaiah and he's facing the wall and he's getting this news. And when he was in a dark time in his life, uh, uh, the Lord shows him that he can believe and trust what it is that he's going to say. And what was a dark room became a, a room filled with the light of the sun in a dark hour because only God could prove to him that he was still God. And so what I want you to see is God can take you in your dark hour and put a little ray of sunshine through the window when your back, friend, is turned to the people and you're facing the wall in your time and trials of life. But there were some experiences that's transpiring here. He's going to God and he said, Lord, look what my heart's been. Look what I've done. Look, 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 what, I, look what I've wanted to do for you, Lord. Do you, do you take that into consideration? And I believe what his heart was is, Lord, if you could just spare me some time, if you could just give me a little longer to live, I'd continue, Lord, to maintain the kind of heart that I've had all this time, and I'd do something for your glory, for your honor. The Lord spares him his life, and he also spares Jerusalem from being overtaken by the Assyrians here. Hannah, here's what I want you to see. We get over here and let's look at, you don't have to turn here, but 2 Chronicles 32 tells us a little bit different story. And I want you to consider this with me tonight. 2 Chronicles 32 and verse 24 said, In those days Hezekiah was sick to death and prayed unto the Lord and spake unto him and he gave him a sign. Notice what Hezekiah does here. Here's my message tonight. Is your benefit beneficial? And I'll explain it in just a moment. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. For his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was, was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Now, we understand that Hezekiah had done what God wanted him to do. His heart had been towards the Lord. He knew that he was going to die. He prayed and he said, God, remember what I've done and what I've tried to do for you. He shed tears and he prayed and God heard his prayer and God sent Isaiah down there to talk to him. But the Bible says that Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 32, 25, rendered not again. Do you know what rendered is? Rendered is returned or paid back. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. Do you know what a benefit is? Benefit is to advantage. Advantage is to gain or profit. Do you know the only person that profited or gained from this benefit was Hezekiah? God did not benefit from the benefit that he gave Hezekiah. Now listen to me just a minute because we talk about praying in our sickness and in our problems of life. What is your motivation for your prayer? Why do you want God to heal your sickness? Why God, do you want God to fix your problem? Is it so you can live a more comfortable life or is it so you can bring glory and honor to the Lord? See, the, the Hezekiah was destined for death. The Lord had appointed him a time but he gave him a stay of 15 years. And it did not matter what Hezekiah had done for the Lord before this time was appointed. What happened was is the Lord rendered him or gave him a benefit of a 15 year stay, but Hezekiah did not give anything back to the Lord for the benefit that he had received. And so I thought about this and, and just this hypothetical, bear with me tonight, and think about this with me for just a moment. For any of y'all that have children or grandchildren, I want you to think about this. You think about David and, and how David had a young child and he prayed for that young child. And that young child died. David said that, that he cannot come to me, so to speak, but I can go to him. 
How many people have you heard of that's had a young child or a baby that was born that didn't live? That did not make it? Now I'm reminded, uh, and I, I'll be careful here, but I, I've got a friend of mine who had a child that was in the hospital that at one time did not look like that child would make it. And this man's father got very angry at God and said, I don't know how God could do such a thing or allow such a thing to happen. But bear with me for just a moment. Let's think about this for a moment. A, a child, that means David's little baby went to heaven. Now, I don't want to get into it with you on the age of accountability, but that baby didn't go to hell. That baby went to heaven. And here's what I want you to see. David said, I can go to him. But what if God had spared the little baby on David's behalf and the child had grew up to be a, a, a devil man? A wicked, wicked person that died and broke off to hell. Would, would in your carnality of wanting to see your child live, would you want it to live knowing that if it lived, it died and went to hell? Listen to me now. I mean, this is just hypothetical. There's some times that we pray things and want things and ask God for things, but we don't see it through God's eyes. I know of a man right now that had a child, that little baby died. And they were distressed and heartbroken and hurt over it. But over the course of time, I've asked myself the question, what, what would have happened had that child grown up, had that child never been saved? You don't know if the child would have or not. What I'm saying is I'm not God. I don't play God. But I'll say this, God knows what's best for us when we do not know. But I'll say this, when we pray and we ask God to do something for us, it's the prayer of faith that saves the sick, right? Faith is based on something. Hezekiah could say uh, that, that he knew that God would do what God said he would do. And so the prayer of faith isn't that you and I pray and if we have enough faith, God's going to heal us. But I do believe there's times where the Lord will give you the peace in your heart that he's got it under control and can take care of it. And through your faithfulness and through your prayer life and believing in God, you can take what God says to the bank for him. And you can lay down at night and have peace in your heart, but I'll say this, why in the world would we ask God to help us for something if we're not willing to render back to him the benefit that he give us? We better ask ourselves what the motivation is for what we want when we petition him, okay? And so I'll say this, when we pray, we say things like, Lord, I'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. Why is that? Because we better be careful. We better stop. You know what happens? Sometimes we feel invincible. Sometimes something big will happen in our life and uh, it'll, it'll feel like it's going to take us down. And we pray to God and we want God to fix it for us. Like Paul when he had the thorn in the flesh and he, he says the messenger of Satan to buffet him. And he wanted the Lord to take it away from him. But the Lord said that, that your strength, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And through Paul's weakness, the Lord's strength was going to show and what was it that Paul said? To live is Christ and to die is gain. So Paul knew that while he was here, he wanted to benefit a lost and dying world. And he wanted to bring glory and honor to God. And if it caused, if it caused Paul having to suffer this affliction to be a more effectual witness for the cause of Christ, he was willing to do it, friend. His motivation was, I'll wear the thorn in the flesh. I'll, I'll deal with this messenger of Satan to buffet me if it will be effectual for the cause of Christ. Let me ask you this. When you're going through something in your life that you don't like, is it effectual for the cause of Christ? And would you, praying in faith that the Lord would heal you from it, be effectual for the cause of Christ? Now, now think about this for just a minute. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, Philippians 1 and 21. Verse 22 says, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So he's saying I'd be better off in heaven personally, but because I'm gonna, I'm gonna live in the flesh and to live is Christ, me being here is to benefit you. So are we going through things in our life and experiencing things and knowing Lord, the Lord and the power of his resurrection 
and, and, and allowing those things to benefit others. So let me, let me say this. I believe in my heart that, that the Lord, you know the Lord's not going to save everybody from their sicknesses and cause them to live for all eternity on earth. Earth's going to go away one of these days. It's going to melt with a fervent heat. Everybody's going to die. So what does this mean? I believe when we pray, we ought to pray in faith that the, and, and believe that the Lord will do what he says he'll do, but understanding that what the Lord chooses to do is for the benefit of a lost and dying world. And you have to ask yourself, can God get more glory and work, a, work better through me being healed of this sickness? Or can he get more glory and it be more effectual if I endure this sickness? And Paul, one that was healing people, was himself having to endure some things that were effectual for the cause of Christ. And the Lord sometimes may put some things on us that we have to experience that isn't fun and isn't wonderful and we don't just love it, but it's effectual for the cause of Christ. And so we'd be better off to wear it and be effectual than to ask the Lord to take us from it if taking it from us does not cause things to be effectual. So listen here. Acts 9... 15 and 16. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. For whose sake? Paul was going to suffer for the Lord's name's sake. Now notice with me here. We dealt with this this morning when we considered Psalms 23. The Bible says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for what? His namesake. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. We may go through the valley of the shadow of death, and He's anointed our head with oil, our cup runneth over. In the valley of the shadow of death, the Holy Spirit of God gives us peace. But it's for His namesake. And Paul is going to suffer for the Lord's namesake. So all the prayer in the world wasn't going to fix Paul's problem of having to suffer. But Paul's saying to live is Christ, but to die is gain. We want to, we want to, we want to live because we think it's gain. Dying is gain, living is Christ. And when you're wanting to live and have your burden rolled away and, and you're worried about dying, are you wanting to keep from dying? Are you wanting to be healed so that you can be effectual for the cause of Christ? Friend, dying is gain. Living isn't. What's your motivation for wanting to live? Friend, I'll say this. If the Lord spared you, if the Lord has helped you, if the Lord has kept you going and you've not rendered to Him the benefit, friend, you better get on your hands and knees and ask God, what have I done with what God has given me? Friend, this is important. This is so important. Let me get back over here into James. So we move on here. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. I believe in my heart, friend, you can take the Lord uh, to the bank on what he tells you. The Lord shall raise him up. If he have committed sins, they be, shall be forgiven him. Well, we understand it's the prayer of faith that saves a person that's lost and on their way to hell. Right? We're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Right? And so here's what I want you to see. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. The prayer of faith will also save the lost and dying world. But now notice this. Verse 16 says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So let me say this, if you're, if you're sick, I'm going to pray for you. But I'm going to pray for you that the Lord get glory and honor out of you. Now I thought about this and, and, and allow me to digress a minute and just give you a little example. I don't want to preach stories tonight, but I believe this is something that we all can relate to. When I come here to this church, I'll never forget it the time Miss Bobby walked to the back back there and I learned for the first time Brother Gene had stage four cancer. 
And I didn't know Brother Gene that well. And I, through time, have had the opportunity and the privilege to get to know him a little better and perform some kind of a relationship with him. But the last time that he was taking treatments and he was getting ready to have his test and we were all on pins and needles about how the results were going to come back, I knew in my heart that it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. But I also remember standing out there on the corner when I asked Brother Shane one night how his daddy was doing. And I told Brother Shane, I said, I know that these older folks are are dying off and we're not going to have a generation that can witness people like I had the privilege of growing up and seeing and being around. And I said, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could keep him just a little while longer and allow our children and our young folk to get to witness and see some things that, that, that are meaningful. And I thought about how God just wasn't done with him yet and how the Lord could continue to use him if he just would. And so I began to pray and I said, not that my prayer was any different from yours, not that mine was more effectual than yours, but I prayed this way. I said, Lord, if you could spare him a little longer and give us the opportunity to have him a little longer and use him for your glory and honor, I sure would appreciate it. Now listen, Brother Gene's got an appointment one day with death. You're going to close your eyes in death one day. We all are. But I'll say this. When Sister Pam and Brother Shane was down in the basement and I got the news that the results had come back and that he had responded well and that he was doing so much better than he was when he went in for those treatments, I could have climbed the wall, friend, for the glory for the honor of God because I knew that my children had been privileged to witness God do something in his life that only God could do. Now, if Brother Gene lives another 20 years and then passes off the scene, as long as my children are alive, they're going to remember the day that we got the news that God had done something in his life that only God could do. It was effectual. Do you understand what I'm saying to you tonight? It wasn't for naught. God done something in that that was effectual. When we pray and ask God to do something in our lives, we want it to render back the benefit that he's given us. And so we ask God to do things for us sometimes that he's not going to do because we want it because of our own lust. Not because God can do something with us, but because we want to fulfill our personal desires. But when our heart gets to the place where we say, Lord, look what I have done. I want to do it for you some more. Lord, I want you to do something with me. I know to live is Christ, but, uh, but to die, I mean, to, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Lord, as long as I'm here, I want to live for you. I'd be effectual. It'd be effectual. Now notice this. Confess your faults one to another. Now, I do want to say this. We confess our faults to one another, but we confess our sins to God. I don't want you bringing me your sin and telling me about it. You take that to God. We confess our faults one to another because you and I lean on one another and we have accountability to one another and we help each other along the way. All right, but it's, it, as I stated this morning, Ephesians 5, 12 says, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. So don't come to me and tell me what you did in secret. I don't need to know that, okay? God does. Talk to the Lord about that. But it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I don't have to say much about that. Brother Shane dealt with that this morning. You've got to be right with God, friend, if you're going to have your prayers answered. All right? If you're going to have your prayers heard. But then we get into another example. Job was our example earlier when we were dealing with patience. But now we've moved from patience to this prayer of faith. Now we've got another example. And this example is Elias. Or Elijah. All right, and so Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Now, when we think about Elijah, we almost give him, Brother Morgan, some kind of superhero status. I mean, look at all that he done. Look at the faith, look at the power of God that come down when he was calling down fire uh, and, he, and he put the water in the trenches and it was if God be God, follow him. If God be well, follow him. I mean, he's going through all this and we're like, wow, think about Elijah. The Bible says this. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. You know what he's saying, what the Bible's saying here? You know what James is writing? 
Elijah is just like you are. He knew God. He put on his clothes like you do. He ate food like you do. He was a man that was subject to like passions. In other words, I want you to understand something. Everything that Elijah was for the Lord, you and I can be. Notice this, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. Why did he pray? What was the motivation of his prayer? We know that his prayer was that there be a drought. But this drought was to be effectual. The drought was to show the king just who was mighty in the land. It was also to show that all the prophets that they were putting their their worship towards were nothing but God was everything. But this prayer was a prayer of suffering. Now we've just learned here that the prayer of faith shall save the sick, but there's times that we pray things and we have to endure things and times of suffering so that it will be effectual. Do notice with me, if you will, that this prayer of faith, that it would not rain for this long period of time, we understand that Elijah also had to endure the drought. He was stuck in the drought just like everybody else was. Aren't you glad God took care of him? But it was required of Elijah to do what God said. See, that's the thing about it. He was down by the brook Cherith. We do know that the brook did dry up. We do know that he dwelled by a brook that was, that was drying. Sometimes we endure things and go through trials and we go through. Listen, Elijah was a man that went down there, poked his chest out, got bold and told the king and, and, and the queen all about it. Right? And we sometimes as young preachers, I'm going to give myself away here, like to stand up, put our chest out and act like everything we said is something serious because we're God's man. Yeah, but God had to take me down by a dry brook and teach me some things too. See, I had all the mouth I needed, but I didn't have the experience. But God took the experiences, and now I can be bold because I also know that God brought me through some things. And when I stand and make strong statements, I have some experience that I can relate to because he's taught me that through trials and tribulations that it causes me to have to be patient, but those, that patience brought experience and experience hope. And so this man has stood up for what God had to say and and he said it wasn't going to rain, but now he's having to endure this trial. And he meets a woman that's going to have to endure a trial as well. We know about the the, uh, woman in the mill barrel and the cruise of oil, right? So what are you saying here? I'm saying that that this was effectual. This prayer was, was for a reason, but people had to suffer on account of it. But God was doing something. Bible says here, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. But then we see that he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So there was suffering because of the drought. But all then victory came, and he prayed, and the rain came, and the Lord restored the land. But in the restoration of the prayer of faith, it was also effectual. Both times he prayed, the Lord done something through the prayer. And whether you pray that the Lord help you in your sickness works out good and you, 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 you end the sickness, or whether you pray for the Lord to end the sickness and he chooses not to, the Lord knows what is the most effectual. And we trust the Lord in that way. And so here we see that both times he prayed, we have two different outcomes, but both outcomes were effectual. And I want you to see that when we pray and have faith in God, either way, no matter what the outcome is, we can trust Him that He knows what's best for us when we do not know ourselves. Paul said that I may know Him. We are learning who He is. Paul was also around so others may know Him. You understand that? Paul, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul wanted to know him in the power of his resurrection and he was going to do it through suffering. Paul knew the Lord closer because of the suffering. 
But Paul knew to live here on this earth was for the benefit of others. And so Paul said that I may know him, but Paul was around on this earth so others may know him. However, God chose to work to make that most effective. Paul was willing to do it. Now I do want you to notice this and I'll leave you with this and we'll finish the rest of this later. 1 John 5 and 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. Verse 3 says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. You know how we pray? In the will of God. You know, when the Lord was teaching the disciples to pray, he taught them to pray the Lord's will be done. I'm thankful that when we don't get the answers that we want, we can still pray for the grace to get us through it. When the thorns are still in the flesh and the messenger of Satan has come to buffet us, we can still say that the Lord's grace is sufficient for us. Knowing that our work and labor of love is not in vain and trusting that God will use our life to be most effectual whether we stay or whether we go. Paul was willing this, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Whether I go or whether I stay, I'm a winner either way and I'm going to do what I can and hope and pray that the Lord uses me that I can be the most effectual for his cause. You know, a lot of times we go to the Lord and pray and we ask God something never considering his will. And times we ask him for things and want things from him like Hezekiah and he answers our prayers and then we do not render unto him what he benefited, with us, what he benefited us. And so here's what I, I really want to, to drive home tonight if the Lord would help us. Is your benefit beneficial? Are you taking the benefit that God has given you and doing something with it that is beneficial for the cause of Christ? Listen, we're looking at this from the standpoint of Hezekiah was a man that had an appointment with death, but we all do. Every day that we get up, Brother Gene, and pull our shoes on and go out into this lost and dying world, we're blessed of God to have the ability to do so. And it's just by His grace that He's given us another day to live. And I wonder... Every day that we live, what are we doing for the cause of Christ?